0: expressing a desire we all should have. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor.
1: Send me wherever you would have me. Have me work wherever you want. Put me in the right classroom. Put me with the right boss. Put me with the right coworkers. Put me in the right neighborhood. Lord, put me in the right place. Send me to the right place at the right time with the right message so that people might get saved.
0: This is amazing grace. Perhaps you heard about the parable of four people and a job to be done. In the end, everybody blames somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. All kidding aside, it begs the question, how do you get the job done? It begins with the desire and a call to do it, as we'll hear on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In Romans chapter 10, we'll notice that there is a job to be done that's of eternal significance. And it's one we're all to be involved in. Here to tell us about it is Pastor Ed.
1: You know, there's nothing that really compares to the privilege that we have that we are sent out by Jesus Christ to love people as ambassadors. You know, we don't use that word very much. But ambassadors, what a position, what a privilege, what a definition. For those of you taking notes, an ambassador, according to Webster, is someone that's sent out on behalf of someone else, an authorized representative, a messenger that's been sent. Or more appropriately, in the New Testament, an ambassador is a messenger sent with a message from God. You can jot this one down. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 17, it says, a wicked messenger falls into trouble. But a faithful ambassador brings health. 2 Corinthians now, chapter 5. Let's pick up in verse 17, one of those verses that we hold on to, one that we enjoy, one that we love. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we often stop there because what a glorious truth to hang on to that you're a new creation in Christ. Your past cannot be held against you will not be held against you in Jesus Christ. You're a new creation. God is doing a new work, a fresh work in your life. But verse 18 goes on to say, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us, notice, the ministry of reconciliation. The idea is to bring people together. The idea is to be a peacemaker, as Jesus said. The idea is even deeper, is to bring people to God, to be reconciled to him. Verse 19 That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. That's what we are, all of us. This isn't for a select group. This isn't the gift of being an ambassador, where some people are and some people aren't. We are all ambassadors because of what God has done in our life. And we're ambassadors, notice, for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you, Or another way you can say implore is we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The right message sent with the right messenger brings health and vitality to those that receive it. The right message, the good news of Jesus Christ that your sins can be forgiven. The right message with the right messenger, a believer that loves the Lord his his God, that loves the Lord her God with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind, all his might. The right message with the right messenger, when it's obeyed, wow, it brings health and vitality to all who will receive it. So with that in mind, flip over to Romans chapter 10. As ambassadors, we get to share the word of reconciliation. We get to give out the good news of salvation. What a blast. What a blessing. God has chosen to use us. And so to pick up in context of where we were, pick up in verse 11. It's what we covered last time we were together. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Romans 10, verse 12 now. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then? Shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Our God is an evangelistic God. That's his heart. His heart is to see salvation and reconciliation take place on the earth today. That's the heart of God. And that's where it beats in and out salvation, reconciliation, forgiveness, drawing people to Himself. And the means, the way that God has chosen to bring people to Himself is amazingly simple. It's not complicated whatsoever. It's amazing. God has chosen to take those that were lost, those that were unsaved, who are now saved. Many of you fall into that category. You are now saved. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven. You have been born again. You're a new creation. God's way of evangelism is taking a person that was lost that is now saved, and then he takes that person, you and me, and puts us into the lives of those that are currently lost so that we might share the gospel with them. That's God's means. God has chosen to use man to reach man. I mean, God could do it much better, right? He could. Can you imagine God hanging speakers up in heaven preaching the gospel 24-7. I mean, he could do it perfectly. Just the speakers hanging in heaven would blow your minds, right? you go, whoa, what are you doing? I love you. I've sent my son to you. Listen to me. And he could share the gospel perfectly with a perfect example. Yet, what he's chosen to do in these days is to use man to reach man, to use women to reach women, to use us to infiltrate a world that so desperately needs to hear of the love of Jesus Christ you know, there's a word for that. Do you know what that word is? Is anybody here with me today? Do you know what that word is? Anybody? Yell it out. Evangelism. That's what that word is. An evangel was one that would go out with a message from the king. He would be sent out, just like the picture of an ambassador is an evangel would go out with a message. An evangelism Well, evangelism is believers going out with the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, it's easy for a church, for a believer, to relegate evangelism to the missions department. Or for us, it's the missions ministry. You know, that's the missions department's responsibility. They are called to and gifted with this gift of evangelism, so they should go out and since I'm faithfully a part of this fellowship, and they have a vibrant missions ministry, and I support the missions ministry, therefore I fulfill my obligation not. No, 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 no. Evangelism is not relegated to a department or to a ministry. Or if you look at Romans chapter 10, here's another way of putting it. In verse 14 at the end, it says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And some of you go, well, hey, 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 you know, preacher boy Ed, that's your responsibility, you know. You're the one. I bring them to you, and you can preach the gospel to them. Well, certainly missions has its place. God has called some to missions in the world and some to missions locally and in the missions ministry of any fellowship, they better be sharing the gospel for sure. And as a pastor, my responsibility for certain is to be a man who teaches the truth and shares the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. But it is not solely my responsibility and not solely your responsibility in the realm of missions ministry. It is our responsibility as believers Wait a minute, Ed. Isn't there that passage way back in the end of the Bible that talks about, well, the gift of evangelism? I mean, isn't there just some people that are gifted evangelists and some people that aren't gifted evangelists? And I've always found myself to be in that second category. I'm not gifted. Isn't there that verse back there? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. What a great encouragement from Paul the apostle to this young pastor, Timothy. And in this passage, we learn much about evangelism 2 Timothy, chapter 4, we're going to pick up right in verse 5. An often misunderstood passage related to evangelism. The idea comes from some. It says, well, I'm not gifted. I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I guess I shouldn't share. I can't share. I don't know what to share. And here, let's look at it. Verse 5. But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. And fulfill your ministry. Paul tells this young pastor, do the work of an evangelist. The idea is, is that, you know, Timothy, it may not be the most comfortable thing for you to do, but as a man of God, do the work of an evangelist. Don't hide behind... By way of application for us, don't hide behind the idea that it's difficult for you or it makes you uncomfortable or you don't see yourself as a natural evangelist. Great. Well, this verse is for you. It actually says the opposite of what many people think it does. It says, hey, if you really struggle in this area, hey, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Share the gospel. All of us are, all of us are evangelists. It's interesting that so many want to sidestep it. So many want to say, well, you know, I'm not a pastor. I, I think only pastors, only leaders share, but the Bible's clear, we all share. It's a responsibility to all of us. Back now to Romans chapter 10, I love how Paul encourages us. He says, hey, how's anybody ever gonna hear unless you go? How's every, anyone ever gonna hear? Now, now there, is that, there is that blessing of maybe giving somebody a CD of a message you heard here. That's great, great beginning. And there is a neat thing of maybe inviting someone to church and saying, you know, you should come on out with me. That's fantastic. You might get them a book from downstairs if they're having all these difficult questions and you pick up a book for them and you hand them a book and say, you know, this would be great for all that's on your heart. That's wonderful. But all of those don't take away our responsibility to look someone in the eye and talk to them about their soul. And it happens a variety of different ways. But to share the good news of Jesus Christ because that is the only hope of man today. And it's something that is a privilege for all of us to participate in. And then notice in Romans chapter 10, Paul says... How are they going to hear? You know, you got to go, guys. And then he says in verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Now, that sounds pretty funny because we don't often think of feet being too beautiful, now do we? I mean, I guess, ladies, after you go and get them manicured and cleaned up and all painted up, we might come to the conclusion, "Wow, pretty feet, but that's not often on our lips. That's why we put socks and shoes on them, Right? <laughs> that's our feet. It's like, wait a minute, that's our feet. They, you know, after a long day, they don't even look, let alone they don't look good. How about the smell? I mean, you need to keep washing them and cleaning them. And, and yet, something that we would look at and go, well, I cover my feet up, you know, I like to keep them under the table or under a blanket maybe. Paul says, no, I want you to look at this from a different perspective. It is a beautiful thing when your feet take you into the life of someone else and you open your mouth. And begin to tell them about the love of God. Begin to tell them about the depravity of sin. Begin to tell them how, well, how they've fallen short of God's glory and perfection. And the only way, the only way for their sins to be forgiven is by faith in Jesus Christ. Your feet become beautiful in the eyes of God. The feet of messengers are beautiful. Our hearts are filled with glad tidings of good things. And sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, will warm your heart. It will greatly encourage you. So much wavering and waffling happens in the Christian's life because they haven't taken advantage of the joy of sharing the gospel with someone. They get buried. We get buried under the weight of our own issues and the things that come into our life where Paul would tell Timothy, you know what? Endure afflictions, young man. That's part of the life of the Christian. Endure them, press through them, and make sure you're doing the work of an evangelist. There's nothing like being sent out and following through and being that person. You know, if you have a bent toward complaining, you miss out on this. You complain more than you share the gospel. If you have a bent on sorrow and discouragement, you often miss out on this because you're sorrowful and discouraged and beat up over it. If, if you're prideful and haughty, then you're more prideful and haughty at times than you are sharing the gospel. And the way out, the way out of ourselves and the way out of that rut is to simply see that God is bringing and using all these things in your life, mixing them together, bringing out wonderful and great things because all things are working together for good, the Bible says. For those that love Jesus Christ, those that are called according, all these things are being worked out in your life And when you begin to realize that you're surrounded by people that are simply lost, just like you were last year or five years ago or 20 years ago, when you share the good news of Jesus Christ, it warms your heart as much as it ministers to the person listening to you, as much as it serves them. We get to bring glad tidings of good things as we share with people over a cup of coffee, over a breakfast, over lunch, in the break room, at the water cooler, in the supermarket, in a family atmosphere at a family reunion or a dinner at mom and dad's you get to share you as you rehearse the story of salvation the work of god while remembering your own testimony and the work of god in your life there's just great encouragement in remembering the wonderful work of god in your life it supersedes all of the horrible things that seem to happen from time to time just remember you know god you're so faithful you're so good of all the things that I've gone through, God, here I am standing in your strength, and what a testimony that becomes. Oh, but Ed, I'm open to that, but, you know, it's still not going to get me out of my situation if I start sharing the gospel. I mean, I'm going to share the gospel and tell people about Jesus, even somebody in my life right now that really needs to hear, and, and I think I'm the one that's supposed to, share. but, but that's not going to get me out of this situation, and you might have fallen into the trap of what I call the woe syndrome. You know, it happens a couple different ways. Like, you're in a place in your life right now where, like, woe is me. Oh, man. Oh, this weather does it to me. Woe is me. No sun today. Woe. You know, it's like, for those of you that remember the Winnie the Pooh cartoon, huh? You're not playing the Tigger game, are you? You're Eeyore. And you're woe is me. Nothing ever goes good for me. Nothing's ever happening. I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? Yeah. I love Jesus, man. And it just kind of builds on itself, and woe is me. Or you may not be in the fact of woe is me. Maybe you're a little bit farther from that now. It's not just woe is me, it's woe is you. You'll hear people going, Why is anybody doing anything around here? And why is a Christian community this way? And why aren't Christians doing that? Woe is you. Woe is you. And everything's just falling apart. And you think, you know, if I start sharing the gospel, I mean, it's, it's not just bringing great encouragement, but it's a mandate from God for us to go into all the world. The world starts right here in our home base in Aurora, branching out into the metro area, into the state, into the community here, all the way through in the United States, around the world, around the globe. We have the privilege of not only world missions, but local missions and everything in between. You get caught up in the woe is me or woe is you. You know, Isaiah can relate to that. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 6, would you? Because Isaiah was sent on a very difficult mission as a prophet of God. He was sent to Judah to pronounce judgment on them and to ask them and to demand from them repentance. And in chapter 1, he would pronounce woes upon the people. Chapter 2, woe upon the people. Chapter 3, woe upon the people. Chapter 4, chapter 5, woe to you, Judah. Woe to you, people. Repent, repent. And then chapter 6, verse 1. He gets a glimpse of eternity. He begins to see from God's perspective. Notice verse 1, chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, this is another word for angels. Each one had six wings, two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another, verse 3, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. What a powerful vision to get a glimpse of heaven. He's in the midst of obeying God, pronouncing woe in the midst of difficulty and seeing difficulty and experiencing difficulty. God just opens up heaven to him and he sees heaven and all the heavenly scene and things change. It's no longer woe is you, verse 5. Woe is me, for I am undone. This is a different type of woe is me. This is in perspective of God's presence in your life. And in the holiness of God, you come to the conclusion, you go, you know what? In relation to the holiness of God, woe is me. I'm undone. And the people that I'm around, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And notice verse 6. One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. What a beautiful picture of the cross of Jesus Christ taking away your iniquity, having your sin purged. This shift in attitude and perspective changes Isaiah's life. It changes his attitude. He he is no longer... Well, he's no longer shying away from the call of God, but he's walking in it. Notice verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And in the preparation of Isaiah's heart, seeing this glimpse of glory, Isaiah says, Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Send me, Lord. I see it from your perspective now. Send me wherever you would have me. Have me work wherever you want. Put me in the right classroom. Put me with the right boss. Put me with the right coworkers. Put me in the right neighborhood. Lord, put me in the right place. Send me to the right place at the right time with the right message so that people might get saved. And it just stirs your heart.
0: We've been looking at the Book of Romans here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And if you missed any portion, you can simply go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. Load the messages onto your mobile device and listen at the gym, in the car, or wherever you go. Just go to aboundinggraceradio.com to learn more about that. You can also get our app. It's available on all platforms. This is another way to hear our program. Search for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, can you think of a time when sharing the gospel didn't go so well and you almost decided to give up doing it again? If so,
1: how did you overcome that? And if not, What's your secret? Well, there, that's a great question. I actually thought about it for a little bit, and I, I really can't think of an example as you described the question, but I can think of many times that I shared the gospel in such a way where I wanted to win an argument. And I spent many, many uh, years, my new believer years thinking that it was my responsibility to argue people into the kingdom, argue the cultists at the door, argue my coworkers, argue my parents, argue like just about anyone I had a relationship with. I was so zealous, so excited, so happy to be a believer and so desperate to see people come to the same saving faith that I did that I took it upon myself to make it one big argument. But I found that I could argue a person, I could argue with a person, and I could probably, in some cases, even win the argument, but actually lose the soul and lose the opportunity. And I know that it led to a lot of frustration in my life. Instead of remembering that it's God that does the work and that I'm just planting a seed— or I'm just watering a seed, and it's God that gives the increase, I felt like it was all my responsibility. And, and so my secret, if you will, was to remember that God is the author of salvation. He's the finisher of someone's salvation. I'm just a tool. Um, I might be used as a, a hammer one time, maybe a velvet hammer. I might be used as a whisperer. I might be used in a variety of different ways, you know, with a loud voice or a soft voice, but I have to remember that it's God that gives the increase, so I'm always thinking now. Not I'm not I'm not interested in winning an argument. I'm actually not interested in arguing at all, but I am interested in building a bridge and building a relationship, and val- really not looking at a person as a potential convert, but looking as a person, uh, looking at a person as as who they are. Uh, A human being created in the image of God who's greatly loved and greatly cared for, whose life is valued by the very blood that was shed on Calvary. And I am now, uh, over the years, you know, for many years now, learning to build a bridge. And building a bridge is, is intended to connect with someone. And I'm not just trying to reach them. I'm wanting to build that bridge so that they can walk with me over that bridge to the very foot of the cross where Jesus died for their sins out of great love for them. And if I can get someone's attention on the love of God, the goodness of God, I know it'll bring about the true repentance and surrender that's necessary for them to be born again. So really no secret at all, is it? Just valuing people, loving God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and loving my neighbor as myself. And one last thing, Larry. I don't, I I am not a natural evangelist. You know, you think of someone like Greg Laurie or Raul Reese, who they basically show up and people, the the, the, the anointing upon their lives, the power of God in their lives, just people get saved by the, just a simple message. I, I've never had that gifting in my life. I, I have to do what the Bible says, do the work of an evangelist, but it's not natural for me. Uh, it's not a natural thing for me. It's something that I've learned over the years uh, to build a friendship and a relationship, even on those quick opportunities to really value the person where they are uh, and bring them to the foot of the cross.
0: Thanks for those words of encouragement. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio every day, but we can't do it alone. We look to our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you A Tale of Three Kings by Jean Edwards. We've all been hurt by the words or actions of another, but when it comes from another Christian, that can be really hard to handle. A Tale of Three Kings will lead you to God's hope and healing for times like these. You'll be comforted as you read A Tale of Three Kings, too. So order a copy right now by calling us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. This is
1: amazing grace.
0: and Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.